Hey everyone, this is Let's Get Practical with Daryl Girardier. And today we're talking about how to deal with sub-brands. Let's do this. Welcome to Let's Get Practical. This podcast is about church communications from a practical standpoint. It's about what works and what doesn't. It's about helping you cut through all the clutter and noise and getting straight to the point. And today we're talking about how to deal with sub-brands. Now you may be asking yourself, wait, what's a sub-brand? That's a great question. Or you may know what a sub-brand is. If you know what a sub-brand is, you probably are audibly groaning right now because you know how much of a pain they can be to deal with. When we say the word sub-brand, we're talking about brands uh, that are built off of the parent brand. So an easy example would be Diet Pepsi. You have Pepsi, which is the parent brand, and then Diet Pepsi, which would be the sub-brand. Or you have M&Ms. M&Ms are the parent brand, and then Peanut M&Ms are the sub-brand. So in the ministry world, you may say you are Calvary Community Church. Okay, that's your parent brand. And then you have Calvary Community Students, and that may be your student ministry brand. Or your student ministry may say, you know what, we want to be called something else. We're going to be called like On Fire Students or some you know catchy name that they think is great, and that's their brand. They don't actually have Calvary Community anywhere in their name. They have a completely, totally separate name. Some way, shape, or form, They are a sub-brand of the parent brand. So the question is, how do you deal with this? How do you handle these requests that come in that say, I'm a ministry or I'm a small group. We want our own logo. We want our own name. Maybe they even want their own website, their own Instagram, their own Facebook page, Facebook group. How do you deal with all of that? Well, I think before you get down to the tactics of do they get their own logo, do they get their own Instagram account, their own Facebook page, Facebook group, all of that, you need to ask the question, how are we going to deal with them from a larger perspective? How are we going to fit them into the organizational umbrella, if you will? So I want to kind of give you two different ways to handle that. And once you figure out how you want to handle that, then all of a sudden the Instagram, the Facebook and all that kind of stuff and website and logo, they kind of answer themselves. So there are two different ways of dealing with sub brands. And there's a great book by, that I'll link to by uh, Al Rise, I believe is how you say his last name. It's R-I-E-S, I believe, that talks about how you deal with branding. I think it's 22, 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. And it kind of breaks down how you handle this. And more importantly, he actually makes an argument why one way is stronger than the other, That uh, the, the two ways I'm about to break down here in a second. So here, they are, here are the two ways that you can kind of approach this. You can approach this in way number one, which is basically saying that you are a house of brands. And what I mean by that is house of brands. That means you have a parent organization, but then you have a whole bunch of different brands that don't necessarily relate back to the parent brand. So a good example of this would be Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble is a house of brands. So you have the Procter & Gamble brand, which will be the little P&G and the logo of any of the items that they sell, but then you have their sub-brand, so Tide Detergent. Tide Detergent is the sub-brand of Procter & Gamble. However, it's the most prominent thing on the packaging. It's really all about Tide, and you just happen to see the little P&G logo in the upper left or upper right on the packaging. So they have a whole lot of other brands. They like Jif Peanut Butter. They've got a whole bunch of other things that they have in their house of brands. And because of that, they have all these different unique branding icons, logos, all this stuff way across the board. Now, part of the reason they do that is because in their mind, you know what, each of those are just different categories and they can have their own thing. They don't have to all relate back together. So they've decided to be a house of brands. Some churches 
go that route where you will have the church name, but then they have all their ministry names are unique, their logos are unique, and they really don't tie back to the parent brand. Now, the advantage of doing this is it allows everybody to kind of build their own brand and it allows them to kind of feel like they're their own thing. And you'll probably honestly make a lot of ministers happy or volunteers happy for that matter if you go that route. So in some ways, it's the easiest in terms of dealing with friction of leaders. It's the easiest to deal with in terms of here, fine, get your own logo, get your own Facebook page, get your own Instagram account. You do what you want to do. So from your perspective, sitting in the role of church communications, it's probably the easiest to deal with because you just kind of let them do their own thing. So you really are kind of releasing them to do what they want to do. And in some ways, that's the easiest thing to do. The hard part about that is, is they are representing your church on some sort of level. And what happens is, is you could end up creating a monster of all these different little tiny sub brands all over the map. And then keeping their voice consistent, keeping them consistent with what the church as a whole can be really, really hard, really, really fast because all of a sudden they're creating their own logos. Now they got maybe their own mission statement, their own vision statement, they have their own goals. It becomes really hairy. And all of a sudden you're not managing one ministry brand. You're now managing 20 brands and it can get really confusing really fast and it can make your work really, really hard. The other thing you got to deal with is, is if you go that route, you have to understand that every time you get a new minister in, as we know, like you get a new children's minister in, they're going to want to take that brand and make it their own. So they may want to change the name, change the logo. And if you are a house of brands, they can make the argument. They can do that because guess what? Everybody else has their own brand. So that's one of the things you got to think through when you're dealing with a house of brands. Now, the second way to approach this is a what we call a branded house. And a good example of that would be Sony. So Sony has Sony TVs. They have the Sony PlayStation. They used to have the Sony Walkman. They've got uh, other Sony phones. They've got lots of different devices, but they are Sony devices. So you bought a Sony TV. You buy the Sony PlayStation. This is a branded house. In other words, Everything has the parent brand along with it. So if we go back to our previous example, Calvary Community Church, you would be Calvary Community Church students, Calvary Community Kids, Calvary Community Life Groups, whatever that is that you would do in terms of a brand, everything would relate back and be tied back to the parent brand. That means visually, everything would look roughly the same with some slight variation, but everything would be tied back to the parent brand. Now, the advantage of doing something like this is, it keeps everything consistent across the board. It kind of gives you more control over those brands and more control over how things are going to look and how things are going to feel. It also means there's going to be less turnover because when somebody new comes on board, they just can't change the name of it because you've decided from the start, everything will have the parent name integrated into it. It'll all be part of the uh, branded house, if you will. Okay, so everything is tied back to that parent brand. It also allows you to, I believe, leverage the parent brand much more easier than it would be if you were to use the house of brands. In other words, Procter & Gamble really isn't, has, doesn't have a whole lot of weight in terms of a brand. Okay. You don't really think about, Oh, that's a Procter & Gamble item. I'm going to get that. However, when you say Sony, Sony all of a sudden now has this deeper, rich meaning because of all the products that are tied to it. They're all playing off their parent brand. So if we go back to the Calvary community example, you're now leveraging the Calvary community brand in your branding. So if Calvary community has got great reputation in the community, the kids, the students, life groups, missions, whatever, can now, if you will, capitalize off of that 
parent brand. Now, the weakness of this is, is that it can get a little stale. People can get a little frustrated by this. You will have hard conversations with leaders because leaders want their own thing. And so you're going to have to navigate conversations in a much more delicate way if this is the route you go, especially if this is not the route you currently are at and this is the route that you want to go. And then you're going to have to deal with a whole new set of conversations about uh, how, why this is the right thing to do, how this sets you up long-term that you're gonna have to deal with some difficult conversations, but I believe it sets you up long-term for a much more stable and better working relationship with other ministries. And it sets you up, I believe long-term for more cohesion as you're creating content, as you're doing your digital strategy, as you're creating your Facebook and Instagram, because everything's going to point back to the parent brand. I think it's going to make you much more stronger. And the other thing is it's going to help you scale. You know, one of the things we don't think about is, is how does this work scale out for you? For a lot of us, we are a one person show. We are people who do the graphic design. We may do the video. We may do the website. We handle all the social media. And that's honestly almost too, for most of us, it is, it is too much. And if you throw a bunch of sub brands on top of that, it can get way, way overwhelming really, really, really fast. So if you go with a branded house model, like the Sony, you have a little bit more leverage in the sense that everything is building off of that parent brand. So again, it's a little bit easier and a little bit more uh, better in terms of managing in terms of scale in regards to that path. So if you can tell between those two, I really recommend that you go the branded house route, that you don't go the house of brands. Uh, you don't you don't do what Procter & Gamble does. You don't give everybody their own logo, their own thing, their own name. I really strongly suggest that you have everything play off the parent brand. I think that's where you're going to go long-term, especially when you start thinking about digital content. When you start thinking about YouTube channels, when you start thinking about uh, podcasts, when you start thinking about a lot of those things that you want to build, uh, it's going to be a lot easier if everything is under a parent brand and you're just creating you know, sub you know, sub channels in YouTube or not sub channels, but playlists in YouTube. It's, there's a lot of things you can do better if everything's under one brand and then it plays off of that. You're just going to set yourself up for more success in the long run, especially when the, you think about digital in terms of the amount of content in the future that you're going to have to create just to stay in everybody's feed or get their attention. If you are running a lot of sub brands, it's just going to be really super, super difficult to do that. And if you're a branded house, it's going to be a lot easier to do that because you can, you're going to be playing off the parent brand. So that's why I suggest you kind of go that branded house route, which Sony does. I think you'll be better for it in the long run. I think it's, it's going to play better in your digital strategy. It'll play better in print and it's going to set you up in the long term for a lot more better decisions that I think are going to hopefully expand your ministry down the road. So there you go. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like this podcast, give us a ratings on iTunes or hit the subscribe button. We really would like that. Until next week, you guys take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.